Welcome to uh, Chew On This Gets Diverse at, uh, where are we at? We're at Fandemic Tours, Sacramento. <laughs> like, where am I? Forget so BJ, is, he drinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Chew On This Gets Diverse. Um, this is a panel about the importance about uh, diversity and inclusion, uh, what Hollywood gets right, and what they probably mostly get wrong. Um, all right, so my name is Vic. Go on, we'll, go, we'll go this way. So, Vic. I'm BJ, other half of Chew On This, the better half. I'm Millie. Kyron. I'm John. I'm here to uh, provide the seldom heard from straight white male point of view. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. The cis straight white guy point of view. That's right, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Um, we probably should say who we are. So yeah, people have yeah, some context. So why why we asked you up yeah. here? Yeah, why are you here? <laughs> Want to do a take two with why they care? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Millie, you're up. Because I'm black. <laughs> and then of you course, are. <laughs> I don't see color. I, 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 I didn't see that either. And then of course I meet the quota for the token woman. <laughs> that's it. That's all we got. All right, we got. Basically, because no, we couldn't but, fit any more people at the table. But what? what I mean. <laughs> but what? What do you guys? I mean, you have a show though, here. too, right? You're, you can. Pro- I'll, I'll, I'll start yeah. and give an example here. There you go, there right, you go. Right. I'm John Marcotte. I'm the founder of Heroic Girls. I had two daughters who are currently 13 and 10. Uh, they picked up my love of superheroes and nerd culture. I started blogging about why superheroes were good for girls. I did a TED talk: Why superheroes are good for girls, uh, and then. I got a UN He for She Champion for Change Award for promoting gender equality uh, from the UN Women's Group. And, uh, yeah, we have a Facebook group of uh, 37,000 strong talking about gender norms and how you can use pop culture to break them down and make the world a fairer place for everybody. Clearly, he's the most qualified. He's the most qualified. Panel. Okay. So I have to follow that. And what do you do? Uh, <laughs> nothing compared to you. <laughs> My name is Kyron Silva, though. I am a comic book writer and artist. I started Taurus Comics. Uh, we produce two series right now called Shaman's Destiny and Saw the Lightning Wilder. Um, and we focus on fantasy adventure series and superhero series. Awesome. Hi, I'm Millie, and I'm a local actor here in the Sacramento area, the Bay Area, and L.A. area. Um, I am the main host for an internet series called Jocks, Geeks, and Nerds. We're all about celebrating uh, jock culture and, of course, need and uh, geek and nerd culture. And it's one of the really exciting things because I know women get a lot of uh, bad reputation and we it feels like we always have to justify ourselves whenever we are involved in the geek or the nerd community. So um, it's just about showing that, you know, Oh my gosh, girls are people too. <laughs> so, uh, okay, our first topic of discussion, um, we're going to talk about this term, uh, Mary Sue. Okay? And uh, there's been, you know, various uh, uh, women in movies that people have dubbed, you know, a Mary Sue, like uh, Ripley, you know, from uh, Aliens. Uh, but we could easily argue if you look back. Um, or, sorry, is this, yeah, Ripley, Daisy Ridley. That's uh, one of the other ones that we were talking about. Um, so can you guys uh, speak to the term Mary Sue and, and what that means? And do you agree or disagree that someone like, let's say, Ray from Star Wars is uh, a Mary Sue and why? This is like my lifeblood. I can start, yeah. Okay, oh, go sure. for it. Um, I think, does everybody know what a Mary Sue is? Let's just start there. Who doesn't? Raise your hand. 
See, we've learned something. Start by defining terms. All right. Mary Sue. <laughs> uh, a Mary Sue generally is defined as – it started as a fan fiction term. It was when women were writing a lot of fanfics about uh, different franchises and, and fandoms that they were into. It's inserting yourself into uh, the narrative or a perfect version of yourself, somebody who can do everything, who fixes all the problems, who's so good and perfect and can do everything well. Uh, and it's used – it morphed into kind of a derisive term uh, that they use for someone like the uh, misogynist on the internet when they wanted to complain that the uh, new Star Wars series wasn't good because a woman was at the center of it. Said, oh, she's just a Mary Sue. Look at, she started out from nowhere and then she, all of a sudden she can pilot the Millennium Falcon. She can use the force better than uh, Kylo. She, she's a Mary Sue. You know, the, the, this is bad writing because it's just wish fulfillment for women. Uh, and my argument would be, Luke Skywalker was a farm boy who had never piloted anything other than a little training module, and all of a sudden he's blowing up the Death Star with one shot. Wish fulfillment characters are common in, in especially fantasy and action movies. Uh, we see that over and over again. It's just that when women started to do it too, all of a sudden people complained. It can be, you know, it. It can be a good character or a bad character. You can argue that sometimes you know, uh, a character isn't done well. But the idea of a Mary Sue is just a way of saying that if women are too good, then it's somehow wrong because they can't be that good. That's the way that I see how people are, are, are using that term in a pejorative way. I don't like it. The website, the Mary Sue, on the other hand, awesome website. So if you like uh, women and <laughs> geek culture stuff, that's a good one to check out. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's a stupid term that uh, nerds who are upset that there are now women in the space used to, to attack strong female characters in movies that if a guy was doing it, they wouldn't have a problem with, in my opinion. So. All right. What do you think? <laughs> oh, and you want me to keep going? <laughs> you brought up Ripley as a Mary Sue. Ripley, uh, Ellen Ripley is one of my all-time favorite action characters, period. Male, female, I'm not, there's no qualifier there. Like, she's a good female action character. Ripley is a badass. Um, the, they wrote the script for Alien uh, without any genders assigned to it at all. It was all last names. There was no first name attached to Ripley. It was just a character, Ripley, who was a lieutenant. Uh, after the script was done and they started production, they decided late in the process to make that character a woman. And they made a couple small changes uh, to address the fact that it was a woman now. But by and large, that character was written. It could have been a man. It could have been a woman. So the idea that it was somehow written as a Mary Sue character just to appeal to, to women's power fantasies is ridiculous because it wasn't written with a gender associated with it at all. It very easily could have been like you know Fred Ripley. Probably would have sucked, but it could have been. And so uh, that's just a non-starter for me. If anybody's saying that Ripley from Alien, it was a Mary Sue character, uh, it wasn't written with a woman in mind. It was written gender neutral. Oh, right on. That, that's actually something I had. I did not know. Um, Anybody else want to chime in on that? Or? Chime in on Mary Sue? I mean, he, oh, yeah. that was perfect. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Okay. I... I'm okay, so I, I'm a little torn. I feel like there are aspects of Ray that you could argue, yeah, she is a little bit of a Mary Sue. I personally think it's really unfortunate that that word is synonymous with just, you know, internet trolls, you know, trying to make her have to justify why she is so good at everything she does. I think that's really unfortunate, unfortunate that Mary Sue is synonymous with, you know, misogyny. Um, but I think in certain aspects, I do think she is a Mary Sue. I mean, the whole thing with this character is 
we don't necessarily get to see the struggles that she endures, the hardships, overcoming all these challenges. So do I personally think she's a well-written character? I think there's a lot of room for character growth that we haven't gotten to see. And I think it actually would be really wonderful to see so much more character growth of how she actually is able to use the Force rather than being like, oh, well, it's genetic. You know, yeah, she can use the Force. But then you should argue, you know, well, why wasn't Leia able to use the Force? You know, her brother could use it, but, like, why couldn't Leia? So I'm not satisfied in the terms of, like, oh, yeah, you know, Rey could totally tap into it. I mean, yes, Luke is absolutely a Gary Stew, which, you know, is, is, is the dude equivalent. I mean, yes. I mean, let's be real about that. He was able to do all this amazing stuff with absolutely no training. So I think Ray is a Mary Sue in the sense of she was able to tap into the force. She was able to control someone into releasing her when she was a captive. She picked up a lightsaber, had absolutely no, no training whatsoever, and she was able to defeat a person, although a crybaby and a really terrible character, Kylo Ren, she was able to defeat him. And he had all this training and he was highly skilled. From, as an actor, from that standpoint, it makes no sense for her character to be so OP, overpowered. All I can say is it's plot armor. However, I do think she is not a Mary Sue. I think she is justified in being so skilled at a scavenger. She's a skilled scavenger. She's skilled when it comes to um, surviving because she had to. I think she would have died on Jakku if she didn't know all the skills that she had. So, no, I think she did suffer. I think she did get experience, and I think that's why she's very skilled at what she does on that planet when it does come to using the force i think it's so vague i'm not satisfied that her character would be able to understand that and to be able to execute it as well as she did i really want to argue about this but it's Let's a boring argument. so do i do <laughs> um, what i will say is well i think my objection is the idea that you can argue whether her character makes sense in the plot. I don't like the term Mary Sue thrown around because I know there's Gary Stu, but nobody really uses it. It doesn't have... Sure. It. I saw somebody the other day that said, you called me the white equivalent of the N-word. I went, there isn't one, okay? Just get off your... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the same type of thing. Mary Sue is used in a negative way that there's not really a, a, a male equivalent of that. I think you can argue whether the character is well-written or not or uh, you know, might be uh, too much of a wish-fulfillment character, but assigning a, gender la- a gendered label to it uh, makes it see, feel like guys don't do this and women do, and I just I don't like that. And I think she's 100% wrong, and if you want to talk to me in the hall afterwards, we'll do that, but it's boring, and we're not going to keep going on that. <laughs> Kyron? I'm, I'm a little scared now, because John's going to threaten me. <laughs> I, mean, I, I swear I agree with Millie here. I think she was an underdeveloped character. We didn't get to see a lot of her development, and that's the only reason why she really is considered a Mary Sue. We don't see where she comes from point A to point B. She's just automatically there from... The planet. So I, I do feel like she is a little bit Mary Sue. Now, is that wrong to call her that? Yeah. But that's more of the fact that it's just bad writing than anything. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm just going to scoot over a little bit. In the hallway. Yeah, come, to my side, come to my side. I'll take care of So you. before we go into the next topic, I want to let everybody know we are giving away gifts and prizes. And, and the way to do that is to follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And then what we'll do is we'll actually ask 
uh, well, maybe BJ or, or one of our guest panelists to actually pick your name once we get the alert on our phones. So if you're interested in the prizes, that's how we're going to do it. All right. The next topic is Star Wars because this happened kind of recently, but it also happened when The Force Awakens came out. Um, Daisy Ridley deleted her Twitter account and Kelly, Facebook. Kelly. Oh no! No no no! Daisy In the very Ridley beginning, did, Daisy did Ridley too. did too. Did she really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it was actually after the movie came out because nobody knew the big twist. Spoilers. Um, John Boyega, but he did not take his. He's still on. Um, he's still on social media. And most recently, Kelly Tran uh, deleted her social media. So um, I'll let Kyron start this one. Um, when something like that happens and you see that, and, and you're a fan, we're all fans here, um, we can clearly see that we're pretty passionate about our points of view with, with at least just Star Wars. So, Kyron, when you see something like that happen, like where, where does that take you? Um, for me, it takes me back to where we are just as a society. It's not even just... Fan f- fans anymore. It's just all society. We're out to attack, attack, attack. We're not willing to listen. We're not willing to to look at both sides anymore. We're all about what's my side, and everybody has to agree with me. And if you don't, you're an a hole at this point, you know. And I, I think it's sad that we can't have discussions as, and have differences and really come together and understand what each side is because we used to be able to do that with no problem. We used to be able to debate and talk and have civil conversations, and now, especially in the fan world, if somebody has even one iota of a difference, it seems like they're the enemy. And I, I just feel like we need to change how we look at what differences are. Millie. I mean, speaking to the whole, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It, it does feel like a lot of stuff is uh, taken personally, you know, if you do disagree. But I think we're also in a time where it's really unfortunate because a lot of people feel really emboldened to speak really hateful rhetoric. And a lot of the other people feel very inspired and compelled to have to stand up against that and to, you know, smush it. I mean, you look at Kelly Tran. This is a woman. So bam, she's already a minority. She's of Asian descent. Bam another minority characteristic and she has a role in star Wars and there's a whole fan base and a whole group of people who are just absolutely ripping into her and they're making it so personal. I mean, we have an actress who, you know what? If you think her character was not well written, that's okay. You can say, you know what? I don't think... So Kelly Tran played a character named Rose. You could say, you know what? I don't think Rose was well-written. But there's so many people who are equating Rose and their hatred for that character, and they're transferring it to the actual actress who is Kelly Tran. She is not Rose. Her name is Kelly. And it's so many people just bashing her and uh, bashing her gender, bashing her ethnicity, putting her down as a human being. And she was so excited to be a part of the franchise. And it's such a bummer that... You know, thanks to the internet and thanks to being so anonymous, it's so easy to tear somebody down for something you don't like versus actually lifting them up and separating, you know what, I don't think the character was well written because of X, Y, and Z. But I think the actress did a really wonderful job and I'm happy for her and I'm proud of her. But 
I was reading something on Twitter where one of the writers went to, um, it was an award ceremony, and Kelly was walking the red carpet, and a little girl, Kelly looked and saw a little girl cosplaying as her character in the jacket, you know, and the hair and the clothes, and it was really wonderful, and Kelly was brought to tears, and she hugged this little girl, and it was really wonderful that she had actually inspired a little girl to follow in her footsteps and to see her image and to know that, yes, it is possible for people like me to actually excel in this world. And it's just a bummer that people tore that down. John. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the pain of my people. Uh, as <laughs> <laughs> straight white guys, uh, we used to be in charge of 99% of everything. And now that it's down to 96.4, uh, there's a lot of pain and upset. Um, that's the official. That's, I think that's pretty much it, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, um, <laughs> for instance, I'm not running the panel. So, uh, but <laughs> the, um, it, when you come from a position of privilege, equality can feel like discrimination. And we're seeing the pains of that right now. When we are getting more diversity in uh, films and things when not everything is written specifically to cater to white straight males. They are upset because they've never been in that position where it wasn't all about them. Uh, me. Uh, you know, I, and, and I think that ugliness and that backlash, we, we could talk about fandom by fandom. Comics has had some horrible uh, issues with like Comicsgate and stuff recently. Uh, movies, I mean, Kelly Tran, uh, everything they said was just completely accurate. I mean, she's an actress. She played a character in a movie. If you didn't like the character in the movie, she didn't write it. Uh, you know, what was she supposed to turn down the gig? There was absolutely no justification for attacking her. And then in the way they attacked her, they attacked her gender, threatened sexual violence, threatened death, called her racist names. I mean, it's just atrocious, atrocious behavior. There isn't a scenario where we go, oh, you know what? Rose was that bad. Go ahead and call her those names. There's no justification <laughs> for that. There's not a scenario where that would ever be okay. And that's the transitional pain. I think you can probably see it in the political arena. We're not going to go there, but um, this transformation of our society where not everything is about people that look like me is uh, having a backlash, a backlash effect, and uh, it's a painful backlash. I hope we can get by it. I mean, whatever problems you might have with a movie, the, the, the stuff that we're talking about here is absolutely reprehensible on every single level. There is no scenario where this is okay. And, I, you know, I, it makes me uh, ashamed at times to be parts of certain fandoms. Uh, uh, makes me ashamed to be a straight white dude. I'm, I'm doing my best to get over it. <laughs> I'm still in charge of everything, so that helps. But, um, so that, that's, I guess, what I got to say about it. It, it makes me sad it may, because I am trying to bring my girls into this world as a way to empower girls. I mean, that's the whole point of my organization. And when you're trying to bring them in saying this is a great uh, community to be a part of, when you see stuff like this or Comicsgate, which I don't know if we're going to talk about, uh, happening, it makes you – you get a pit uh, – uh, you know, a stone in the pit of your stomach going, Gal, have I brought my, my girls to the wrong place? I don't think it's true. I think that eventually we're going to win, but it, it's scary and sad. Uh, so what do you do? Um, uh, before our next topic, we're just going to give something away right now. So we're going to have – we have enough gifts is, to go down the list. This is appropriate too because it's Rose. Uh, oh, so, so that's, that's pretty appropriate. That is real appropriate. Uh, let's see. I'm going to randomly just uh, Josh Marston. Ah, I know him. Oh, there you go. 
<laughs> this is not rigged. This is not rigged. I have no idea who that guy is. Only she does, and she didn't pick. So that's good that that did not happen. There you go. All right, so on to the next one. So recently we've heard this uh, word pansexual kind of thrown around a little bit. And um, so Deadpool and Lando recently came out as pansexual. Um, so the way this was announced was almost like an afterthought, it seemed like, uh, once the film was completed. Like, you know how they said, you know, Dumbledore was homosexual, like way after the, the movies or books were over. Um, so I really, I don't know, we, we watched all these movies. We didn't really see that in the movie, that being portrayed. Not that it needs to be called out, but it was just wasn't something that we saw part of the character. Uh, meaning, if I didn't know they were pansexual, I would have known I no idea if I you know watching the movie. So, can you guys? I mean, I don't know if this is a, a topic that uh, you'll be able to. We'll go that. Way. <laughs> we'll go this way. <laughs> All right. Is there anybody here who is unfamiliar with the term pansexual? It's not a Peter Pan okay. fetish, by the way. It's just a no, and, and that's totally it's awesome. Like when you have so, sex with Pan, pan so. <laughs> I, we've all been there. I was in college. I experimented. <laughs> He's like pots and pans. You know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure there is a fetish for that somewhere on the internet. Oh yeah, there's a website. <laughs> you already Google Give it to you after the show. <laughs> Going to Pornhub right now. No, pan, pansexuality is basically. Um, it's a gender-blind attraction to all people. So whereas bisexuality is you're attracted to, you know, men and women, pansexuality is it's more gender-blind. You acknowledge there is the possibility of more than one gender. You are um, just attracted to people. It's just gender-blind. So I identify as pansexual. So when I heard that, like, Lando and Deadpool, you know, that's actually really, really exciting because it is cool to see that sort of representation. Um, I do, as a person within the LGBTQA community, um, I... I do feel like I'm going to get some backlash, so please forgive me. Um... There's not enough people in here to give you backlash. There, 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 there is 11 whole people in this room, okay? We got your back. I am very outnumbered. Um, I just, I am, okay, so as a pansexual person, I am very, very happy that there is that sort of representation, but I would like it to be seen as something very natural. Like, it is so natural that you don't have to call it out. Like, if it were, like, like, it, like if Deadpool wanted to kiss... Colossus or whatever. He did. He you know, did. He did grab Colossus's butt. His, 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 you know, his anus. You know, the did next step. You know, we're getting there. Oh. Seal, though. <laughs> but but if, if it was something where like they they decided to have a relationship, whether or not it was emotional or just physical. To be able to have that and to not be like, hey, look, we met a quota for having a gay character. As a gay person, I would rather just see it as a very normal thing rather than being like, hey, look, we have it. We met a quota. We're very diverse. We're appealing to everybody. But I just like it as something where, no, this is who they are. It is a part of them. It's very normal. And all the other characters, it's it's just completely accepted, just like heterosexuality. It's very normal. It's very accepted. We never we never have to call it out and be like, oh my god, look, these two couples are straight. Like we don't do that, you know. It's just it's so normal. So I would love to, I love that we have it. 
I would love for it to now be perceived as normal rather than controversial. Like with the whole interview for Lando, uh, his character, you know, it's the whole, like uh, anytime there's a gay character in anything or there's two characters of the same gender and they kiss or they hold hands, it's always seen as controversial. You know, it's in the news. It's the headline. But you would never see that for two straight characters, you know? So I would love, I'm, I'm happy we have it. I would just love for it to be perceived as more of a normal thing rather than something that, ooh, we have to talk about it because it's controversial. Like we're doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) This is called bringing awareness to a situation. John. Uh, Yeah, I I think, I mean, to your point, I think, you know, the idea of normalization of those uh, types of characters is is exactly where we want to be, where it's just not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But I I think, uh, you know, to uh, BJ's point, the idea that you just you know tack it on after the movie and it's not shown in the movie anywhere, uh, you know, Brainy Smurf was really into ferrets. I mean, it wasn't in the movie, but still, I could tell that he had a thing for him. At some point, you have to show it on screen or it's not real. And and uh, I think Deadpool actually has toyed with that for a while. And in the comics, he's done that it, historically. The character has toyed with that, and I think we saw a little bit of that with him, like constantly grabbing uh, Colossus's ass and things like that. Uh, he's in a relationship already, so we weren't going to see a fulfillment uh, uh, character arc there. But I think as much as they're, they're willing to do with that character, but yeah, I think we need to show it on the screen. It has to be there. Lando, I, I can see completely that that might be a valid way to interpret that character, but just announcing it isn't the same thing as as demonstrating to us on the screen Absolutely. that that's true. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I uh, Dumbledore, I mean, that got kind of blown up. It it was a series for children uh, books, and uh, Dumbledore really didn't have any kind of romantic relationship. Someone made a comment about how uh, it was a homophobic comment about the series, and then J.K. Rowling, to counter that, said, you know, when I was writing it, I actually thought that Dumbledore might be gay, and that got you know, taken into the, okay, mm-hmm. that's part of the canon now that he was gay, and why didn't she write about it? Well, she was writing well, a kid's he series. He might be asexual, too. Well, but Rowling says he's gay. That was the, the uh, that was, uh, and if anything's canon, that's the, the author. That's the end, I'll be all. Yeah, that's the end, I'll be <laughs> it all. comes from the source. So, <laughs> but, you know, in, and uh, I do think that we do need to just see it. And, and if you just show it and don't make a big deal out of it, the reason it's a big deal is because we're not showing it. And so if, it hap- if we just organically put it into movies more often, it's not a big deal. But when, it's, when people are saying things, it's the first gay wedding when, you know, North Star uh, got married in the comics a little while ago, or it's the first interracial kiss in Star Trek. By the way, our fandoms, you know, nerdy science fiction stuff, we're pushing those borders up pretty darn often. It's a big deal when it's the first. When it's normalized, where we want to get is where it happens often enough that it's no longer stop the press is a big deal when you have those kind of relationships. And I do think it's a bit of a, you know, kind of a cop-out when you just tack on Lando's pansexual. We didn't show you anything that would indicate that, but he is. Just trust us on that, so check your box. We got, well, we got hold queer on characters. now. He was attracted to a droid. Well, I think, well, the droid alluded to it, but I don't know yeah. if he actually like, yeah. showed that, but. that. That's a deleted scene yeah. in the director's cut. So, um, and, and you know, they missed some other opportunities. Uh, some of the Dora Malaysia were in the comics are uh, lesbians, and they did not carry that storyline through to the movies. They've uh, erased uh, opportunities for gay and lesbian characters in some of the comic book movies that have come out. So, yeah, I think we need to include them in there. We just need to make it a normal thing. We don't need to make it a, you know, send out press releases. It just should be there. It should happen because it happens in real life. And in some ways, these movies and pop culture is a reflection of real life. And for it to not be a caricature, 
I think that's the really important thing. At least for me, when I see a lot of representation of gay males, it's usually some sort of a caricature of being very flamboyant, being sexually perversive, you know, no boundaries, you know, not very respectful toward other characters. It's some sort of a caricature. And I think, yeah, I think if we can normalize it as an everyday thing, I think that would actually be very, very helpful. Karen, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm going to probably echo what everybody else is saying. I think if you're just going to add it on at the end, after we've all seen the movies and there's no mention of it, don't do it. it. Don't add it on just to add it on. Make it part of the movie. Make it an important part of the movie. But you don't have to hype it up. You don't have to do tons of press about it. Just make it part of the movie. We can see it. It happens. And then just make it like a regular everyday thing. We've all seen gay, heterosexual people kiss. It, at least for me, it doesn't bother me in any way. So if you're going to show it on a movie, fine. Show it. But don't add it on and then have big... You know, hoopla about it afterwards after everything's already come out about it. I think that's just ruining more than anything. It's just not helping it in any way. Yeah, that's a good point. We should give something else away. Uh, let's give something else away. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, the crowd trembles in anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can just feel the electricity. Jason Michael Fong. I know you too! What the heck? <laughs> you know everybody in the crowd, don't you? I swear to God, I have no idea who these people are. Yay! We have... Uh, who else Ellen knows Ripley. Millie here? There you go. Thank you. Oh. Just them two. <laughs> Nobody else is winning anything, is what you're saying. Where are we? Now the next this is winner, so random. Yeah. <laughs> I've never met these people before like, in my life. Oh, my kid won it. Oh. <laughs> All right. So this question's for for Kyron, directly. Wow. Uh, oh. You have your... Yeah. You have your own uh, comic book company, which is very cool, Taurus Comics. And uh, how does your personal experiences determine how diverse that your comics get? Um, okay, so a little backstory on me. I am actually half black and half Hispanic. My wife is Asian. My best friend growing up was white, and another one was black. Um, I grew up in a area that was very mixed culture. So when I started creating comics, I ref- all my characters started reflecting that also. My main character in my first series, Shaman's Destiny, he was black. His best friend was a talking rabbit. Um, but then the person that he looked up to was a Hispanic male and a white woman. And the reason why I did this is because I didn't want to have just one type of characters in the series. I wanted everybody to be able to look at it and say, you know what, this is what normal life looks like. You can go down the street and see, you know, a Indian Talk, guy. A talking rabbit? <laughs> Was he well, was, was a was, rabbit pansexual? <laughs> no, not in the book, but afterwards. He was from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, now we're getting into bestiality. Yeah, we're, we're, wait, we got too I never far. said that my <laughs> rabbit far. did anything <laughs> sexual in any way. All right. My comics are PG. Yeah, good. PG 13, good. maybe. <laughs> your mind's off the gutter now. <laughs> but I mean, I wanted to show that, you know, anytime you walk around in most parts of America, you're going to see two or three different types of people, women, male, um, different types of minorities, different types of, of um, God, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say here, but different types of people. And I, no, I said one. All right. Thank you. For Sorry for helping. I shouldn't have. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Keep going, keep going. Straight white guy just bumping yeah, into everything. Yeah. <laughs> he has to man. Let me take over here. I white did one okay, the first white season. White male so. Thank you. <laughs> it wasn't heard in two seconds. 
<laughs> so, as far as your question, yeah, it was your experiences, yeah, experiences. Um, I mean, I definitely wanted to show that there was more out there than just the straight white person in the comics. I wanted to show that there was in going to my next series, Saw the Lightning Wielder. This was actually based off a um, Asian. Um, deity that I found through my wife's culture. And I wanted to show that there was more than just uh, Thor out there that had (laughs) (laughs) a God connection. I wanted to show that there are different um, cultures out there that also had sort of the same similarities in what they thought the world would look like. So definitely. So how does this, like, uh, how does it affect your storylines generally? Um, I would say it affects the way I write the characters and what I'm putting into the characters. Um, I try to make every character unique in my experiences and what I've come across as far as, you know, how a Hispanic person's background has been and what they've dealt with growing up or what a African-American male's perspective has been growing up. I wanted to put all these into what I write in my books. Awesome. Um, if you just came in, uh, we, we are giving prizes away, so all you have to do is just follow us on one of the social media uh, things up there on the screen. Or no mailing. That's how we're picking, and that's how we're. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're picking the winner. If you know Millie, you're automatically disqualified <laughs> for the rest of the show. I feel like I've exhausted the amount of my friends here, yeah, so exactly. you all have exactly. a fair chance now. Uh, let's see. Let's. Uh, do we have one? Do we have? Uh, and Erica Franzon. Hey. Do, you know, do you know Millie? Okay. <laughs> do you want to know Millie? You get. Hi, Mom. Hey, now. <laughs> it's not a dating panel. The speed dating was earlier. Oh, okay. I missed uh, This is. Uh, oh, there's a price tiger. I'm sorry. This is uh, X Men. Oh, it's a storm. It's a storm doll. So there you go. That was yeah. donated by uh, Toy Fusion. Toy Fusion uh, here in Sacramento. Yep. Excellent store. All right, uh, Millie. So you actually just went on a—I um, don't know if you want me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But you just recently went on a uh, an audition uh, yesterday, and yes. so this is kind of I, kind of coincidental that one of the questions that I came up with was asking about um, when you're reading for a role and it's written by a man, do you ever just read the part and think, God, this is really misogynistic, or do you say anything and then, or do you just kind of just roll with it? So one of the things we like to joke about in the acting community is anytime there's a character breakdown for a guy, it's usually smart, resourceful, you know, athletically, and you know, wonderful. And like they, they get like this really awesome character breakdown. I literally saw a character breakdown like two days ago, and it said, for the woman, beautiful. That's all. Just, just that, that's like a literal quote and I was like keeping it PG I was like fudge this dude I was like I am not submitting for this but I mean that that's unfortunately uh, like okay so I'm small I'm under 5 feet and I'm fat medically obese and I claim it. I'm chubbalicious and gorgeous. But unfortunately, in certain industries, the women characters have to be like 5'7 and above and really beautiful and model-esque but relatable to the everyday person. That's literally the breakdown you get! And so... Yes, you do see stuff like that. And it's very unfortunate that female traits are very desirable when it's just uh, it's just your beauty or like how gorgeous your legs are. I mean, no hate to the women who are gorgeous and really 
beautiful, but you know, it is, it is a shame to have to just be, this is the extent of your value. Um, I was doing a show one time where I was the leading lady and me and the main character, he and I were having um, a disagreement. And so the role required for my character to get distraught. Well, I made my character distraught in an emotional way in terms of she's shutting down. She's not really looking him in the eye. She, her, she's getting really quiet and she's just really dejected and she's really depressed. Well, the director came up and he's a really nice guy. I don't think he meant this maliciously. I think this is a part of his upbringing. You know, he's middle-aged dude and he comes up to me and he goes, Millie, can you cry? That's how a woman would respond. And I was just like, oh, really? He goes, yeah. I mean, you're having an argument with your boyfriend. Why aren't you hysterical? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll give that a shot. And so, you know, I I tried it out after a couple of takes. And eventually I got so frustrated I did cry. And and he he was like, wow, Millie, you're so sincere. You really felt it. And I was like, no. Yes, I felt it. Absolutely. It was thanks Give to your direction. Yes. Thank you. Have I booked the role now? So, I mean, unfortunately, sometimes I do feel inspired to mention something, but I think one of the unfortunate things as an actor, it's a little hard to claim your power when people do see you as, you know, dispensable, you know, like I can replace you. So I think for me, it's a matter of choosing my battle. So I would prefer to create my own content that actually celebrates women as intellectual beings too. Awesome. All right. <laughs> I'm getting props from the lady in the back. <laughs> no girl, I appreciate I, I you. I thought she was saying wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next uh, prize. We're going to give to a uh, Jody Murphy. Hey, you right get, on. You get And you don't know Millie either, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh that's Norman Reedus right on the chopper. Yeah, so oh, Awesome. Nice. Maybe you might be able to get a chance to have him autograph that for like a million bucks, I, I think. Yeah. Something like that. It costs 50 to look at him. Yeah, you need to like a, <laughs> <laughs> You need to go to the bank and get a loan for that. <laughs> Um, all right, John. This is this question's for you. Okay. Um, so, do you try and you know show your girls good and bad examples of representation in movies or TV shows, or do you like you know teach or parent whatever it is that you happen to be watching? Um, well, both. Okay. I mean, you know, it, it is uh, that's kind of the job of parenting. It is kind of the mission statement of heroic girls too. Is is basically the idea that. Uh, pop culture is our collective dreams. You know, that's that's what we're dreaming of being. And women are getting kind of shafted on that right now. Uh, you know, women are. I I had to look this up. Did you know they're they're about fifty um, percent of the population? Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, they make up about thirty percent of speaking roles in films, uh, which is uh, uh, something you probably know. About eighteen percent of leads of big blockbusters. Uh, about five to three percent of directors. Uh, screenwriters is a little better, and I don't remember that percentage. If I would have been uh, done better con prep, I would have spit that one out too. But, um, yeah, so it, representation matters, and, and uh, so I do. I seek out when there's a Wonder Woman movie out there, or, you know, I'll push a boundary with my 13-year-old, and we sat down and watched uh, Mad Max uh, uh, Fury Road because nice. uh, Charlize, it was really Furiosa's movie. <laughs> it really was, yeah. and so uh, and she's such an incredible character. So you look for those opportunities. 
uh, to show women in a leadership role, women uh, who are uh, strong. Uh, you know, I guess you know the, the strong female protagonist thing can almost turn into a cliche, but well-written women, women who are complicated, uh, who have uh, more to offer than being sexy and punching people. Although I do like both of those things, I'm just going to go on the record of that. Um, so yeah, so of course we seek that out, but we also talk about ways that when things fail, when we talk about just what's on there, you can't you can't turn your entire life into some instructional classroom where you're just feeding them certain things. They have to exist in the real world with the rest of us. So when we see you know things where it's go well, you know, you got the Justice League and we love Wonder Woman, but there's you know here we have that's tokenism. There's one woman and they got a black guy and they went okay we're good <laughs> and uh, so they um uh, that's why cyborg is on the justice league by the way i don't know why they didn't just you know give us john uh you know where's hot girl um that hot was a cartoon girl? i yeah. uh, the, from the cartoon was one of my favorites because she on was Arrow. played uh she was it was a great character and she was uh, played by a latina actress and there were dudes on the internet that were upset because she's not Latina in the comic book. She's from the planet Thrangar. And I'm like, maybe everybody in space is Hispanic. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that the space is default white is weird to me. But um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I, uh, I do that. I, and that's basically the ethos of the Heroic Girls is that pop culture, it, we have to dream it before we can be it. Um, it was important like uh, Star Trek. Um, uh, uh, Mae Jameson, who is the first black woman in space, uh, she will tell you that the reason that she thought she could do that was because she saw Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek. That's the power and importance of representation. It may never have occurred to her that a black woman could be an astronaut if she had not seen it first. So the world isn't fair. Our media should be better than we are. And, and, and when we're talking about fantasy and escapism, let's make a better world and imagine it, and then we can become it. That's kind of you know where we're headed for that. All right, so awesome. we're going to close out here. Uh, we'll try to well, with the time that we have to give the gift, we'll try to keep it at one minute for for everybody. Um, so this goes to all, everybody. We'll start with Kyron. Uh, word of advice, positivity, or hope to uh, members of our audience who experience any exclusion from entertainment um, or real life. Um, if you feel like you're being excluded, just understand that there are others out there that probably feel the same way. Try to seek out those and try to find commonalities with them. Um, know that unfortunately the world is like John said, it's a horrible place sometimes. But the more that, the more that a lot of us speak up, the better it's going to be. Don't think that you can just, you can stay quiet and things get better. You got to speak up. You got to go out there. You got to put your head out and try to do better. Awesome. John. Um, you know, encouragement. I will say, you know, for the white dudes in the audience, I think there's a couple of us here. Um, you know, you can use your position of privilege for good at times. It doesn't always feel like a privilege, I know, but believe me, you are as hard as you have it. At least uh, you're white and straight and male, and those are big check boxes in the world still today. So, um, you know, speak up for people when you see things going wrong. Don't sit silent. Um, and you know, ultimately. The uh, the bad guys are wrong, you know. When they trash 
uh, Rose and Star Wars. The Last Jedi made like almost two billion dollars or something like that. Like that, you know, what tanked Solo, and they're trying to blame it on the Last Jedi. I don't even get the logic there, but that's <laughs> you know, they did. They had uh, they had three female-led Star Wars movies that made an enormous amount of money in a mo- in a row, and then the one starring a guy tanks, and it's not not a bad movie. I'm not going to trash it or anything, but uh, they tried to blame it because they said, "Well, we're just sick of the social justice warriors." Um, you know, it, movies like Frozen, Black Panther. People will watch movies with uh, racial minorities in them with uh, 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 women as leads. There's no compelling argument that these that that doesn't work. They're just not doing it enough. So uh, don't let uh, people tell you that, you know, oh, this is the way things have to be. It doesn't. Uh, diversity is actually a winning money proposition. It makes more money. Just do it. And, uh, and uh, it is good to extend past yourself. You don't always have to be the hero of the story. Sometimes you can learn to empathize. You can learn what it would be like to be in someone else's shoes. And I think that's a really valuable tool of storytelling that we don't ask uh, boys to do enough and certainly don't ask white males to do enough. Put yourself in other people's shoes. It's fine. Uh, sensible pumps. Uh, really quickly, Millie. Uh, we're going to wrap up here, Millie, before you go. Uh, if, uh, once again, we have one more gift. So if you haven't followed us on any of the social media, uh, make sure you do now. Um, and then we'll pick the gift at the very end. Like right now. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Follow. All right, Millie, you're up. She wants to. She wants in. So, um, I just want to make a quote because we were talking about Kelly Tran and her character Rose has a really awesome quote that um, identified, you know, with me very well. Uh, she says, "That's how we're going to win: not fighting what we hate, but saving what we love." And Rose says that, and I think it's really important to not push back in the sense of we're pushing just to push because of course other people are going to push right back just as hard as we're pushing. I think what we can do is we need to save exactly what we love, which is ourselves, people who are like us, people who um, we want to see represented on the screen and in all walks of life. And I would encourage people to create your own content, create your own content. Um, if you're not seeing what you want to see on TV, create it. Because I can guarantee you there's a whole group of people that that's going to really resonate with. But maybe they didn't think that they can do it. So if you do it, you're going to touch and reach a whole lot of people that that's going to lift them up. And so don't use your hatred to try to tear people down. Save who you are and build that support and that camaraderie. And you will rise to the, you know, you will rise. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, panelists, very, very much for being here. Um, last, you guys want to uh, plug your stuff really quick? Yeah, really very fast. Okay, Go. Uh, HeroicGirls.com is my website. Our biggest presence is on Facebook. I think we're slash The Heroic Girls because some guy in Thailand registered Heroic Girls and never uses it. Um, <laughs> and I'm on Twitter and I think uh, Instagram. But uh, Facebook is where most of the big action is coming. You can also just talk to me. I'm going to hang out right in the hall here afterwards if anybody has any questions or anything. We're going to do a summer reading program for kids this year. And there's some other cool stuff uh, coming up as well. Okay. Uh, Taurus Comics is uh, TaurusComics.com. You can also go to Facebook. We're Facebook.com slash Taurus Comics. And then we are on Instagram and Twitter at Taurus Comics. Uh, if you want to follow me and all my wonderful acting exploits, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram. My actor name is Millie Jean Warren. That's Millie with an IE. And I'm the main host with Jocks, Geeks, and Nerds. And we're pretty active on Facebook. And uh, our last prize goes to Henry Liu. 
Is that awesome? <clears throat> there you go. It's pretty sick. Wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for coming out. This was Chew on This Gets Diverse. Uh, I'm BJ. Vic. Until next time, folks, chew on that. Later. Later.